Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you tools for everyday life. We encourage you to visit us at mbcocala.com to discover more about the life-changing ministry at Meadowbrook, as well as convenient ways you can partner with us financially in helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Enjoy the message. Hey, um, before I forget, and uh, every Sunday morning when I show up, it's still very dark, and this morning was cold and rainy, and one of the first things I do, I go down by our softball fields, and we have uh, our truck team is there for our East Campus, and what they're doing, in case you did not know, we have four beautiful converted RV units that we've converted fifth wheel uh, for classrooms over at the East Campus. If you've not seen them, they are fabulous. And uh, so they show up early on Sunday morning and they're loading up to go out. So I pray with them. And uh, so it was raining. It was total dark. It was cold. And I ran into four of the just the most joyful guys uh, this morning. So I want to commend them. But I also want us to give some love and thank our parkers and also our deputies. So can we give it up for all of them today? We appreciate it. Yeah, we do. So on your way out, make sure you're friendly and smile at all those folks and everything as well. So, hey, I want to take just a moment before we, we pray and then we will, uh, uh, of course, pray. Um, I was, we're always blessed. Alicia and I were just talking about that's one of the, our favorite things is dedicating babies. And uh, it's such a beautiful thing. And I made the comment, uh, I thank them for choosing life. And uh, I, I just think that's the, the only option, really. And in case you did not know, yes, in case, in case you did not know, this past week, the uh, New York State Legislature and then the governor of New York signed into law uh, an abortion bill. It's preemptive uh, of their concerns that the Supreme Court might now overturn Roe v. Wade. So it's their kind of preemptive effort to preserve uh, abortion rights and actually extend them. And without going into all the detail of it, regardless of the conditions they say do apply, it now would permit uh, abortion to a fully developed late term right up to the day of, of delivery. And I think it is despicable and evil. And the governor signed it with a smile on his face. And I don't know the circumstance of that moment, but I just... He will answer before God for that. Let me, in case you don't know, because our our culture is very slick at times to not give you full story. Let me give you some full story. Uh, and, And a pastor friend of mine posted this the other day too. He said, it's interesting that bacteria is considered life on Mars, but a baby in the womb is not considered life on earth. Here's a little bit about a baby in a womb. At 18 days, after 18 days after conception, there's a heartbeat. 42 days, brain waves. 52 days, hiccups and yawns. Eight weeks, all organs function. Nine weeks, fingerprints. 10 weeks, can feel pain. 12 weeks, smiles. In Psalm 139, it says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, 
as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Psalm 139. And what this has effectively done, and it shows some of the darkness of the day that, that we live in, is it invites violence into one of the most sacred events and circumstances of, of all life. And it's in, this, it's in the name of convenience. And uh, I just say this seriously, God help us. God help us. And I pray that if you find yourself in a tough situation, let me tell you that the very first baby dedication ever done as a part of this church was a single unwed mom. And the church family stood and dedicated that baby because I don't care how the baby got here. The baby got here and God saw all the days before there were any days. So there's never need for you to go hide or whatever else. And if you've already been through abortion, listen, there is healing, there is forgiveness, and you can use your story to encourage some others in, in days to come. Amen. So what do we do? What do we do? We don't hate. We don't scream. We don't even have to run around with signs. We pray like life depends upon it because it does pray. And then every election cycle, please hear me, and I push this every time, but one of the, the, the largest voting block in our country are, are Christians, and yet millions don't even vote, and then stand on the sideline and gripe. Make sure that you vote, and make sure that you vote your values, okay? All right. Well, I could go on for days on that. I'm not going to, um, but we as a nation can do better. And we're going to talk about doing better here in just a moment. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray together. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Holy God, we come before you. We've lifted you up today. We're here for good news, but sometimes in the context of good news, we have to share some heavy things. But God, we, we just want to say to you that we love you and we trust you and we need you to move upon the hearts of leaders and upon people that you would preserve life, help light to come in where there's darkness and confusion and people try to push agendas. May your light shine. God, please help us. Please forgive us. Please give us wisdom for the days ahead. And give us, give us leaders who will respect life. We understand we're not in heaven yet. We understand not everything's going to go our way here. But yet, Lord, there is in my heart today a righteous indignation. Because this is so against what you purpose for every one of us. So help us, we pray. And I pray now in this time, just as we've gathered, I pray for your peace to fall upon your people your peace to be in our hearts, for us to learn today, for us to grow today. I pray for healing today in relationships and healing in emotions and healing in our bodies today. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon us today. Do wonderful things. When we leave here in just a little bit, we'll say truly it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. And I pray that when everything is said and done today, that you, Jesus, the Lord of our life, 
the head over all things to this church. May you be pleased. May you be honored. And may these your people, every single one of them, be helped today. And that's our prayer. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, help me welcome our online and our East Campus. God bless you guys. It's going to be a great service and peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. While we're continuing on our series, I want to be better. Come on, everybody say it with me. I want to be better. And how many of you know we need to do better and we can do better? Amen. Um, We don't have to look around far at all to see in our culture and uh, politics and business and families and everywhere that, you know, we can do better. And then it doesn't take long. You look into the mirror and uh, you realize, wow, I can do better. I need to do better. And guess what? We're called to do better. And we are called in this world to be salt and we're called to be light. And the very essence of the kingdom is about progress and about improvement. It's not about earning. This is not about performance. This is not about perfection. Don't even confuse those. And we've talked about those early on. But it's, there's, a, there's a kingdom standard that we're called to live to and to bring to the world around us. We're to bring a difference with us. I'm trying to get, we're to bring a difference with us. And in our, in our life, and that's what we're talking about in this series. And we've talked about roles and responsibilities, and uh, we're going to get into some other things today. But the, the kingdom of God is from glory to glory and strength to strength and victory to victory and, and, uh, and faith to faith. And on and on, we find that there's an, an increase that is to happen. And you know this, when Jesus comes into your life, he makes some things better and he takes some, some really bad things out of the way, gone forever, thrown into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. Are y'all with me today? And he came to set things right and to help us. And we, you and I, we should have a vibrant faith and hope and trust in an almighty God that as dark and, and broken and wicked as some things would be around us, that we would be light. Against that backdrop of darkness, there should be some shining going on because the glory of God is risen upon you, his people. Amen. So it's not dim and it's not dingy. And I think just a, a, a byproduct of God at work in our lives and us living according to kingdom principles, it brings growth, it brings progress, it brings improvement to whatever we would be a part of. Thank you all, 11 of you. All right. Well, um, we've looked at a number of things. We've got several more weeks on this series, but today I want us to look at this. Um, I want to be better. I can do better at relationships, relationships. Come on, everybody say relationships. Um, One of the most basic needs in life is relationship, connection with other people. People connected to people thrive. People not connected to people wither. There are many, many illnesses that are attributed to loneliness And God's plan is that we are connected. This is very much a one another thing. Uh, He said early in Genesis that alone is not good. Alone is not good. We are better together. We all offer something to each other. 
in the family of God, we're also called the body of Christ. And how many of you know that all the parts need all the other parts? The Bible is very clear about, you know, the whole body is not just one big eye. We're not one big toe. You know, it all works together and just like in the body. And we have the benefit of every one of us having body, realizing we need all of those parts together. We are better. To, how many of you know I'm better when I'm all together? You know, and, and the same is true in relationships. And again, it's a, a vital need in our lives, a vital part, a basic part of life. That's why we do small groups. We don't do small groups just that's a trendy church thing to do or something cool to do or we got to keep the people busy. Forget all of that. It is we are better together. There are real theological reasons, very sociological reasons, on and on and on reasons why we are better together. This past week, uh, Wednesday night and then all day Thursday, we had a, a, a little retreat, so to speak, for our pastors and ministers and spouses. And I had a guest speaker come in and uh, just to facilitate, share some things. And uh, so we're, we're going probably in one of the first sessions on Thursday. And he said, okay, I, I know you're at your table there with, with several people, but I'm going to have you break up and go find three or four other people not at your table and get with them. We're going to do a little group activity. And I just got to be real honest with you. I'm the pastor and, and I got to be honest with you. I feel like I don't want to do no group things. I don't go talk to no people. And so I went off into my little group with my little notebook, and then we started talking and interacting. And I'm telling you what, within 15 seconds, I was better. I was better because I was receiving from someone, and I was drawing something out of myself. And just walking back to my table, uh, that was good. So probably four, five, six other times during, during the day, we broke up and in, into other groups. Go find another group, you know. Never again did I say, oh, I don't want to do this group thing because I knew it was good for me. So we do groups on purpose. On Tuesday night, we even have some specialized groups. They're called care groups, and they're on specific topics and so forth that are helpful if you're going through something. And right now, we're launching groups church-wide. And uh, here's the worst excuse to not be in a group. Well, I've never been in a group before. That is a dumb excuse, okay? That's not even a reason. And so uh, I would encourage you because we truly are better together. And the church said, amen. Look with me in in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Go ahead. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one man who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So there's strength, there's benefit of us being together. Now understand this. Virtually every emotional and psychological problem, everything from addictions to depression, has emotional alienation or isolation at its core or close to it. So the recovery for that, and let me make sure that you're getting that. So many of the things that we're dealing with, the, at the core of that problem and then its behavior and symptoms, at the core of that is some kind of emotional isolation, 
alienation from others. So recovery always includes helping people move uh, to better connections, deeper, healthier connections. That's always a part of recovery for us because it's in connections, in healthy connections, we truly are better together. So relationships are vital. They're vital. That's why we've got to do better relationships because they're, they're vital. Relationships, guess what? They take work. They require maintenance. All of you married know this. One day the honeymoon is what? It's over. And the real meets the ideal. And it's like, oh, wow. And so that's when the work begins. Well, here's the next thing I want to tell you. Relationships are complex. You know why they're complex? Because of those other people. And they're thinking the same thing about you. But we all make it complex. And, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but all of us have blind spots. And if you don't think you have a blind spot, that's one of your blind spots right there. And so it's work. This, this takes maintenance. It takes work. It's hard to do. There's so many issues involved because I have issues and you have issues. And yet the connection that is so vital for us and that can be so healthy for us, it's going to require a little bit of work. Look with me in Romans chapter 12, if you will. If it is possible, let me read this and then we'll come back and break it down. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now let's just start at the end here. How many of you know it's, it's best when things are at peace? If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Did y'all know that's in the Bible? It's in my Bible. I wrote it right, right in the inside, inside cover. No, the reality is when we have people around us, for, forget mama, it's anybody. When, when anyone's out of sorts, it affects the people around. We're, we're always best when peace is made again, when relief comes and we, I mean, you know, that feels way, way better. Remember as a kid, you get in trouble and you get, well, when I was a kid, they had not yet invented time out. They had other things. So it's like, whoop my tail, send me to my room. And it was always good, though, when mom or dad would come to the door and say, you're going to straighten up? You're going to fly right? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. All right, come on out. And you felt the, just the relief that would come back. Am I the only kid that ever got in trouble? Come on, y'all are, y'all are looking at me. Yeah, I figured that about you, preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's when it's best. And guess what? That's the design. The Bible even tells us that we're called to peace. And so watch this. If it is possible, which implies what? It might not always be possible. It might not always be possible. But here's your part. As much as depends on you. As much as depends on you. You do your part. As much as you know you're to do, do that to live peaceably with all men. And so this is in the Bible, and I think we can do better at working toward peace within our relationships. Everybody say, I can do better. Now, one of the main things that God uses in our life is people. And one of the main things the devil uses in our life is people. And the devil is very much against healthy connection. The devil is very much against healthy relationship. He comes to steal, 
kill, destroy. He's the author of confusion. He loves division. He loves envy and strife. He's always trying to erode, break, destroy connection in any good, healthy relationship or connection. Always. It does us well to realize that and just to spite the devil, I will work hard then to maintain peace within relationships because that's what God desires for us. So he works at no connection. He works at breaking connection distorting connection, giving you a bad connection. Let's look at a couple of verses here. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I don't know about you, but I remember my mom telling me, you are not going to hang out with that kid. I'm pretty sure that kid's mom was saying, you are not going to hang out with that kid. Okay. But bad company, bad company corrupts good character. You know it and I know it. Probably every one of us has had some peer pressure at some point in our life and we thought, acted, went, did, whatever in ways that we normally would not have done except for the influence or the corruption that came from somebody else. So this is, this is a biggie. This is a biggie. Then look with me also in Proverbs th- uh, 13 verse 20. In the message paraphrase, Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. It matters who you hang out with. It matters who you are connected with. And the enemy wants to use that in some bad ways. But God wants you to preserve it and he'll help you to do it. uh, Because we are better together. There's so much that comes from that. Look with me in Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. You still there? All right. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let me break this down a little bit here. First of all, as we have opportunity, you will have opportunity. You will have opportunity to do good to somebody. Okay? So you need to go ahead and have a mindset every day. Go ahead and adopt that mindset for today. Most likely today, I will have some opportunity, big, small, many, few, I will have some opportunity to do good to somebody, to benefit somebody, to help somebody, somebody I know, somebody I don't know. Sometimes it's helping somebody, uh, you know, they're loading something at the uh, builder supply place or in the grocery store, you're holding a door, it's a friend you know, or somebody with a flat tire, or, you know, what, whatever it would be. Let God define that for you. But you need to go ahead and prepare your heart. Go ahead and prepare your mind. I'm ready to do good today. There will be an opportunity that God wants to use you for probably today. Thank you all seven of you. Okay. But you need to realize that is out there. You ever have that day you put on your jeans or a pair of pants or a jacket you hadn't worn for a while and you find money? Bonus day ice cream. Well, slow yourself down because it may just be, and I've had the Lord do this, not that I heard it out loud, but just felt in my heart. That's for somebody today. That's for somebody today. And so you wait and you expect that God will set up that opportunity. Now notice, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Everyone does not really mean everyone, okay? Because you need to be wise. You can't help everyone. You're not supposed to help everyone. Well, pastor, are you contradicting scripture? No. 
Wisdom and discernment will help you to know there are some situations you're not to get yourself into. You're not to put your family at risk. You're not to put yourself at risk. You're to be wise and have discernment and God will help you. Now, but it says help everyone. You're not to help everyone. You're to help everyone that is in your opportunity. This New Testament Greek word here is the Greek word kairos. It means a specific and appointed time. It's a window. It's a season. God will set up something and there will be someone in that window, in that opportunity that you are supposed to help. And so as you follow that through, help those people. And look at this. And especially, come on, everybody say it. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. So it's saying in particular, in chief, even on a whole different level, you're to be ready for opportunity to help the household of faith. Let me show you who the household of faith is. You ready? It's the, it's the family of God. Go ahead. The family of God. Come on, everybody say it. The family of God. Um, it's not just your church family. It's the family of God. It's the brothers and sisters. We have a, we have a heavenly father and he has a lot of kids. And all his kids are adopted. And you're my brother. And you're my sister. And I love being in the family of God with you. But we're not a bunch of selfish brats. We don't just do our thing. This is the family of God. And God is love. This is the family of love. And love gives and love cares. And love forgives. And love helps. And love guards. Y'all hearing me? Alicia and I, we've had five children. And there were times where five was a lot of kids. And there are times as they get a little bit older, you do this. You go, hey, I need you to go help your brother. Go help your brother find his shoes and put his shoes on. Go get your sister out of, out of the playpen. You know, go, go get a bottle or go get this or do this or find out where that is for them. And you know, it's the same thing in the family of God. Our heavenly father wants to say, hey, I need you to go check on your sister. Go, go check on them. Go make sure they're okay. Hey, and I need you to go give this to your brother. I put it in your pocket this morning. Uh, go, go give this to your brother. Go watch out for them. And so this is what happens. Virtually all blessings come through relationships. Virtually all blessings come through relationships. And the people who should get it the most are the family of God, the household of faith. And we are ready. Come on, everybody say, I'm ready. We need to be ready for God, our heavenly father, to use us in the lives of our brothers and sisters that are around us. How many of you with me could say, I can do better? And here's what we use. We use, I know we talk a lot about T4 here. Uh, I'm going to expand it to T5. Here's what we use. Our time, our talent, our treasure, our touch, and our talk. Time, talent, treasure, touch, talk. That's what we use to help the household of faith, the family of God. In the New Testament, there are 59, count them, 59 one another's. We have clear instruction throughout the New Testament, love one another. Bear one another's burdens. Be patient with one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Bless one another. There's 59 total one another's. 
as we are a part of the family of God. Let's quickly move on. Let's go to family. Come on, everybody say family. Um, you, you need to start this at home too, okay? You all sweet to folks at church and then you, you're not handling this right at home. That's not right. It's not good. First Timothy, the apostle Paul writes, and he said, if anybody does not provide for their own, speaking of their household, they have denied the faith and they're worse than an infidel. So what it means is this, you've got to provide for your own and not just shelter and food. And it's an atmosphere too that is healthy and growth producing. It needs to be peaceful and safe. You know, that we provide that for our own. If you don't, if you're not about making that happen, in, in addition to also providing materially for your family, that should be your, your goal. If you're not making that happen for your family, then all of those things, it says it's like you've denied the faith. It's like God isn't in a part or an element of your, your life. And that's, that's backward. It's wrong. Don't do that. It needs to be our full effort and faith is God help me to provide for my family in every way. And it ends up being a healthy growth, growth producing kind of environment. Now we're going to talk a lot about family in just a couple of weeks. I'm going to start a series right after this series. So I've got two, three weeks yet on this series. And we're going to do a series called what health, what happy families know, what happy families know. And we're going to get into a whole lot of things that we need to know from scripture about our families. And there are a lot of dynamics, you know, uh, right now, Alicia and I are stepping into a season. Well, Sister, we're already in the season of caring for our aging parents. We're told to honor our father and mother, and that takes on a whole different view as they're aging. And we're having to now roles kind of be reversed, and we become caretaker and helping things to happen for them. That's a dynamic that that we need to be thinking about. Uh, What about an unbeliever in the home? I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, in, in 1 Peter... We're given New Testament instruction on this, that if there's an unbeliever, get this now, they can be won over without a word by your godly lives. They're not won over by you nagging, saying, well, I'm going to church and you're going to hell. Okay. That won't work. And for you to insert scripture on everything and just blast them, blast them, blast them, it will not work. You've got to let the reign of the Holy Spirit, and without a word, without a word, they can be won over by your godly lives, by how you just conduct yourself, that you have the peace of God. The same passage talks about that you're not provoked and you don't provoke, and, and that you stay at peace, and God will give you wisdom for all the complications in that, but I mean, there's so much that Scripture tells us that will help us. Hey, how about this with our families? I can do better. Let's look quickly at this. Friends, friends. How many of you have friends? Wow. <laughs> this is a sad group here. <laughs> All right, I'll be your friend. Actually, actually, I have thousands of friends on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, that can make you feel real insecure. I really don't mess with social media much. I have help with that because my goal, I just want to post on those formats some encouraging things. And I'll, I'll kind of check it now and then and, and it, it will ruin your day. I'll, I'll look at it and I'll realize I have three less friends than I did yesterday. <laughs> Guess what? Those are not friends. 
You have levels of friends too. You have people that just kind of know. In the old days, they used to do something like this. Send Christmas cards. And you would have a Christmas list that you'd send cards. It was the mailman and this person, that person, somebody you knew, and Aunt Jane, whatever. And, and so you have, you know, all those just acquaintances, more or less. And then you have associates and companions like you work with. You see them at the gym and, you know, they work at that store you always go to or come in where you work or whatever. And then you have your, your real friends, your close, your close friends. And you need them. You need all of them. Sociologists say that actually your max is about 50. About 50. But you can't be close to all 50. You can be peaceful with all 50. But then it starts to hone down. Jesus kind of set the model. He had 70. He had 50. He had 12. He had 3. He had 1. And the more you narrow it down, the more intimate and close that that relationship is. But we need to have all these levels of friendship. Now, I have two friends. I consider them some of my dearest friends. They live in other states or also in ministry. And I've called both of them within about the last month or two. And in the course of my conversation on the phone, I've said this to them. Hey, did you hear about the award that I got? And they said, oh, what, a, what award did you get? And I said, worst friend of 2018. And they would laugh. And it was just my humorous way to apologize to them for not being the friend that I needed to be. And if you're going to be a friend, you got to be what? You got to be a friend. If you want friends, you got to be a friend. You've got to be friendly. You need to talk. You need to have time together and so forth. And so we can do better. And I told them that I can do better. You know, you can be very popular and not have anybody close to you. And it's real important that we have people close to us. God blesses us with friendships and you need to nurture those friends, encourage them, cheer them on. Uh, rejoice if they're rejoicing, weep if they're weeping, help them with an endeavor that they're doing, and then just be there for them. As far as friendship, how many of you know we can do better? Come on, say it. I can do better. One last one for today, and it's this, neighbor. Come on, everybody say neighbor. Proverbs tells us that you dwell by your neighbor for safety. You dwell by your neighbor for safety. Now, historically, our culture included was, first of all, very much agricultural. People were very, very spread out. And we found over the course of time, it's a little scary to be all by yourself, you know, miles from other people. And people quite naturally then migrate back toward each other. And the Bible reveals that one of the reasons you have a neighbor is for safety. And it's kind of a loaded word. It's so that you can feel safe in a, in a lot of ways. And I think we need to do better as far as being a neighbor. Uh, and if your neighbor's situation is Hatfields and McCoys, you know, you need to work on that. And you need to pray about that. And if you have a, a horrible neighbor situation, we had one sometime. When we first started the church, we didn't have a place to live. My grandmother had a mobile home down in Fruitland Park, down near Leesburg. And she let us stay there for a couple of months, and it was horrible, but free. But our next door neighbors were some bikers that were on house arrest. So they didn't go anywhere, but they were there. And they were friendly enough, you know, come and go, hey, what's up? Right. Nothing. <laughs> Neighbor. 
And several nights, several times, and it happened on a Saturday night where I'm trying to get rested and prayed up to drive up here for church the next day. No, no, I, my wife's right here as a witness. We, we'd be laying in the room and suddenly we'd see like light flickering on the ceiling and run to the window to see what's going on. And they're out in their backyard with a bonfire, drunk and naked and running around in the yard. And I'm not going to call the cops. Are you with me? They would know who called. I'm not calling the cops. And so, you know, it's like, God, what do we do? So I prayed, and this, I, this is the way I prayed. God, one of us is going to move. And thankfully, we got to, okay? But here's the thing. Be a neighbor. Be neighborly. You know, people don't wave anymore. Wave at your neighbor. Even if they don't, keep waving. We've had neighbors before that wouldn't wave at all, and we'd still wave. And then sometimes I, I got them to wave today. Smile. You see them at the mailbox? Go check your mail too. What's up? And be a neighbor. Look out for each other. We have some wonderful neighbors. Thank you, Jesus. But I'll tell you the truth. When, when a house was empty or whatever, we pray, God, send us the right folks. Send us the right folks. And so we have neighbors that... You know, if we're going away for a couple of days, hey, could you watch for our house? So they'll do the same. One of our neighbors recently came over, knocked on the door, had a honey-baked ham and a, and a can of some really good coffee for us and said, just want to let you know that you're loved by your neighbors. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, for neighbors like that. Amen? <laughs> now, but be neighborly and be kind and be helpful and watch out for them. Or you could do even something that I've done before. Here, I got a picture of it. Uh, you can greet them on Christmas morning. This is me playing the trumpet, playing joy to the world on Christmas morning to my neighbors. I think they like it. See, for years, forever, I wake up my kids every Christmas morning. I play joy to the world. And I bust into the room and play it. And so the last couple of years, I thought, I think they would enjoy it. So I've been, so I've been good on. Right, that's me in my robe. Get that out of here, okay? All right. How many of you know as a neighbor, I can do better? Come on, say it. I can do better. When can you start being a better neighbor? Today might be a good day to do that. We have so many areas of our life that are relationships, they're connections. And very clearly and very strongly in Scripture, you and I are called to peace. We are to be agents of peace, agents of strength, agents of the kingdom. And the enemy, the the rascal that he is, I had some other words in mind, will always try to work against those connections. Husbands and wives, friends, brothers and sisters, guard that. Guard that. Realize things get said, things get done, but you know what? Make allowances for one another because you love one another, the scripture says. And guard with all your guarding the connections that we have between one another. I look at my life, I know I can do better. And most of our New Testament instruction is all, all in the context of relationship. Just as you'll read through the New Testament epistles, you're going to find the instructions that we need that are going to help us to do better. Come on, everybody say better. Better in every area and chiefly in our relationships. Do you get anything at all out of this today? All right, good deal. Thank Thanks again for listening to this message resource for Meadowbrook. You can stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.